In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Two siblings come home from school one scorching hot day in August before their parents come home from work. It is custom, upon unlocking the doors and throwing their backpacks in the hallway, for them to raid the kitchen for a snack. But when they open the fridge, there isn't much worthy to them to snack upon except for one lonely, prepackaged piece of string cheese. They both know that fighting would not solve the needs their taste buds so desire, so what should they do? They at least have a sense to say to each other, okay, let's share. The next step in their liturgy of keeping the peace is nothing less than what we would expect them to do. They pull out a ruler and measure the proportions so that they're exactly the same. And we know the outcome if everything is done right. The snack is cut evenly and everyone feels like they were dealt with fairly. But golly, if one piece is even cut one millimeter off, there will be squabbling until mom and dad return home. It is incredible that we all know from a young age the sense of what being cheated or treated fairly feels like. In Jesus' teaching today, he speaks a parable that does not mesh with what we view as fair, what we view as just. Would it not annoy you if you worked 10 hours and then somebody who seemed unfit for the job came in and worked for one hour and got paid the same amount as you did at the end of the day? That doesn't seem fair. It seems odd. But when we look at the parable, we must look at it in a different light. Some may think that Jesus is talking about money and how a boss should pay his workers an unjust amount, but they are missing the point. They need to revisit what he is actually teaching, or better yet, who he is teaching. Jesus tells this parable to his close disciples who are battling with themselves, who is the greatest in heaven. Their egos are soaring higher than they can reach, and they can't seem to get their heads out of the clouds. They just are not getting it. So when Jesus gives them this parable, they quickly sympathize with the worker who feels cheated. After all, haven't they been walking with Jesus his whole ministry? Haven't they been sent into the vineyard, into the world, to plant the seed of faith in others so that other people may be ready for the day of harvest? Haven't they been able to sit, heal the sick and cast out demons? Haven't they made a name for themselves in all of Israel? Of course they did. So should they not have received more in heaven for their pious work than other people who served even for the people they served, or even more so the people that rejected them? It seems fair. It seems just. It makes sense even to children that whoever is in a higher position should leave, receive a higher cut. But Jesus explains that this is not his way. The economy of what Jesus is talking about is not the same economy of the world. God's ways are not our ways. In his economy, everyone outside of himself is equal. But what does that mean? 
12. Before Christ called his disciples to follow him, just like everyone else, they lived in utter darkness. There was no light, no truth, and no peace within them. They were all lost. Likewise, before being brought into the family of Christ in your baptism, you lived in darkness. You did not know the truth, and there was no peace within you. We are all equal in partaking in the sinful destruction handed down to us through our corrupted parents. We are all equally put to shame. We, along with all the saints who lived in the sinful world, fall into the same category of needing salvation. It is not until Christ poured his blood out for our redemption that he established a way for us to be put into a new category, saved. An equal portion of his atoning sacrifice is given to everyone in the world. Jesus made it possible for his saving grace of repentance, forgiveness, and salvation to be delivered to all people. It is his desire to pay everyone the same wage in exchange for their sins. And that wage is his own precious life. There is no bigger price. Yet some still choose not to receive God's gift. They choose not to work in God's vineyard and deny what he has to offer them. But before we point the finger and measure the shortcomings of the people who rejected Christ and are not believing, maybe we should examine and measure ourselves too. Have you sinned today? Have you followed every commandment God has given you? How wonderful it would be if everyone here has done nothing wrong today and have given everything they own for the sake of another just like Christ did. How tremendous it would be if everyone here always bore the good fruit of the vine at work, at home, and here, even here at church. But sadly, the ugly truth is that even though we Christians know we have received Christ, we also know that we daily live short of God's glory and need a constant exchange with him. We call this living the life of the baptized. We know what we need to repent of our sins and receive his forgiveness through his body and blood. We are forgetful. And maybe it would be better for us not to identify ourselves as the worker who felt cheated, but maybe more so with the workers who refuse to work until the end of the day. Maybe we sometimes forget God's promises and reject him when we do wrong. We can ignore him and live as though he never came to earth. We can ignore all evidence that points to his perfect existence, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, and his ascension into heaven. We can ignore it. But fortunately, for our forgetful sake, he came, comes around into our marketplace, our world, and sends his workers to remind us that we ignore the Father in heaven due to our sinful, corrupt natures. We become lazy in seeking God's truth. Instead of looking to God's word for relief from, the, from his, this world and willingly seek Jesus, we can become comfortable in our beds. 
We can justify coming to worship as a lower priority in our lives and spend Sunday morning somewhere else, rather than here in church, where God desires to deliver his gifts to us. Missing church can be dangerous, because it, if you keep missing it over and over and over again, you will eventually stop missing it. We are the siblings that want the bigger cut. We are the ones who love ourselves more than others. We want comfort, acceptance, fulfillment of our own inmost desires, control, power, and much, much more because of our sin. But God created a way not only for us to have the bigger cut, but to have the whole thing. He gives us more than the world has to offer. And there is nothing we can give worthy of exchange. The only thing we can do is receive his gifts and believe that he has given us eternal life. That is it. And thanks be to God that he does this work, because without his willingness to give all that he had, there would be no way for us to have our debt paid off. We would crumble on the last day before a righteous and holy God. And when another person is brought into the church, we should celebrate with the saints in heaven over this one sinner who repented and God saved, rather than compare our loyalty to God in a higher regard than that person. It doesn't matter if they were cruel like St. Paul was before seeing Christ on the road to Emmaus, or if they denied Christ such as St. Peter did before the cross, or if they hurt you directly in some way, shape, or form, Christ still wants to, them to be saved just as much as you. Remember, we all receive the same wage. And since we all have the same pay, we also all receive the same Holy Spirit that calls and guides us to live in Christian love. We can forgive each other when one feels cheated. We are able to share in the same joy, hope, and believing that God will unite us all with him from the first in faith to the last. He pays all of us, even though we don't deserve it. And thanks be to God that he does this wonderful and gracious work. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join in singing the last four stanzas of Salvation Unto Us Has Come, and on the last stanza, please stand to honor our triune God. <laughs>